0: Just a heads up, everyone, these are adults having adult conversations, so there is the possibility of adult language. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Magic Lessons, a podcast produced by MaximumFun.org and Riverhead Books. I'm Elizabeth Gilbert, and I just wrote this book called Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. But even when I was finished with the book, I didn't feel like I was really finished with the subject. So I wanted to make this podcast where I could take the subject of creativity out into the world and have real conversations with real people about it. And that's where magic lessons come from. And what are magic lessons? Roadmaps for the path to creativity, the extra nudge we need when we're feeling stuck in our creative lives. Hey everyone, welcome to Magic Lessons. I'm Liz Gilbert. And today I'm calling Casey Catelli in San Francisco. Hey, is that Casey?
1: Hello. Sweetie. How's
0: it going? <laughs> it's going great. How are you? Good. Thank you for being part of Magic Lessons.
1: Yeah, I'm psyched.
0: So, should we begin? Should we do a magic lesson? Should we should we try?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's
0: do it. I know a little bit about you already because I've been sort of snooping around your website looking at what you've been up to. But why don't you tell the rest of us who you are and what the trajectory of your creative life has been thus far?
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay. (laughs) Where do I start? Um, I went to school for photography. I went to Uh Elon in North Carolina. I studied photo and communications. I had picked up a camera probably at like 14 years old that just kind of clicked with me when I was a freshman in high school. And I studied black and white photography and learned how to develop, but after college, I worked a little bit in production for an ad agency in Jersey, where I'm from, and then about three years ago, moved to San Francisco to sort of pursue it full-time, and I spent the first two years just, you know, doing everything I could. I did everything from photo assisting to babysitting, task-rabbiting, production assisting, um, and It wasn't until maybe that that third year that I really started picking up more work. And slowly over the last year or so, I have a part-time job now. I work um, on the photo team at Airbnb in photo operations as a photo reviewer. And it's great because it's a part-time job. So I've been able to pursue my freelance work on the side. Right. But in the past year, I've sort of started to have this shift. And I don't quite know where it's coming from. But I've really started thinking about why am I a portrait photographer in the first place? What about it interests me? And I think I've started to find that commercial work isn't as fulfilling to me as I, as I thought it was.
0: Uh-huh. Um,
1: so I'm in this strange in-between space where um, I've been listening to a ton of podcasts and I'm very interested in pursuing something like that and potentially connecting a visual component to it as well. But I don't know where to start. I feel weird about walking a little bit away from photography and pursuing this other thing, even though there's still a visual component. And I'm just excited to see what's next, but nervous about showing it to the world.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay. First of all, I am also a podcast fanatic. (laughs) I'm obsessed. (laughs) Um, Which is also why I'm doing this. So, So we're both sort of doing something new in the podcast direction. I'm curious why you feel like doing this would be walking away from your photographer identity and not walking more deeply into your creative spirit? Like, why does it feel like a walking away from something and not a walking towards something?
1: Uh, That's a good question. I've been thinking about that a lot. And I've been shooting photos for a long time now, since I was maybe in eighth grade. So I know that I at this point, know how to take a pretty picture. I know the language of light and I know how to get what I want visually. And I've sort of rested on that. And that's not challenging for me anymore. And adding more to it, I guess, for some reason makes it feel like it's something completely new and different. Um, The audio component, I mean, but yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to that really. I it's just a fear based thing. I don't I don't know why it wouldn't make me a photographer and make make me an even better photographer if I added something more to it. But I guess it's the fear of doing something um that's outside my comfort zone really.
0: Um mastery is boring. <laughs> you know?
1: <Yeah>. Like <laughs> I'm right? that, you know, it's funny because
0: we always chase mastery because we wanna be really, really good at something. And then once we get it can become really tedious, right? Like, um, there's probably not a lot of frontiers left for you to explore in the realm that you've been working in since it sounds like you were 14 or 15 years old, you know? So it doesn't mean you're done with visual life. And it doesn't mean, I mean, anybody who can say, I understand the language of light is somebody who should be also speaking for a living and not just <laughs> taking photographs, because that's such oh a gosh. beautiful statement, what you just said. Um, it also is clear to me that you understand the language of language, you know, so I have no trouble imagining that you would be able to open up your creativity to something that's that's audio as well as visual. Um, you know, there's this essential component of our shared humanity, which is our fear reflex, and it's a really important one, and we should all just take a moment of silence and think back to a time in our lives when our fear saved our lives um because that's what it's there for <laughs> you know um the problem is that it doesn't have a volume control on it, right it's just a toggle switch. fear is just something that just goes on and off and it it's really unsubtle it doesn't it doesn't have any discrimination it doesn't have any discernment, so it doesn't it's tricky when it comes to creative ventures because it doesn't have any perspective, right? Your fear thinks that anything you do that's new is going to end up with you dead. It makes the stakes of everything really, really high. And that's why you need your higher parts of yourself, your higher intellect and your higher consciousness to sort of have a conversation with fear. And And you have to do this, I think, as an artist for your entire life, because the thing about fear and creativity is that they will always be linked. I'm going to give you an assignment which is super new agey and really like woo-woo, airy-fairy. But, um, you know, there's not a lot of room for dignity (laughs) in a creative life because I always think that dignity is just another incarnation of fear, right? It's just another like mask that we put on to try to protect ourselves. So I'm just going to ask you when we're done with this conversation to sort of shed your dignity and to try this exercise because it's something that I do every couple years, and I find it's really important and it keeps me on track. I'm going to ask you to personify fear. And it can be a humanoid. It can be an animal. It can be like just something that has sort of a personality. And then I want you to personify curiosity and give it an identity. And then I want you to write yourself a letter from each of them. (laughs) Um, Just go with me on this because this will work. Yeah. And you have to really put some some effort into really bringing them to life because they are alive you know what I mean like they they do live within you they do argue with each other constantly within your consciousness and the more that you can figure out how to kind of make them tactile and relate to them the easier it is to cope with both of them so curiosity needs to have an animistic identity fear needs to have an animistic identity and then I want them both to write a a pleading letter to you for what they want right? Like, like begging you, begging you, begging you. And then I want you to step into your administrator self, who's the self who's in charge of all your other selves. (laughs) And I want you to write a letter back to both of them simultaneously. Like, Dear Curiosity and Fear, thank you for your input. (laughs) You know, I was very happy to read, like, you're the manager of the corporation that is you, right? And you're like customer service. And I want you to, to read their letters really carefully and really respectfully you know, um, because I think a lot of the trouble that people get into with fear is that they hate it so much and they want to fight it and they want to battle it. And they talk about kicking it in the ass and punching it out and dominating it, which only makes it more insecure and only makes it fight back more. And my experience is the more respect and kindness and gratitude even that you can show to fear, the more it quiets down, you know. So I want you to write them both a letter. I want them to be able, it has to be to both of them because I want them to be able to read (laughs) that you're communicating with the two of them. And then I want you to tell them what you're going to do, you know. Um, And it's probably going to be some sort of a compromise between what curiosity wants you to do, curiosity has no stake in the real world, so curiosity doesn't care if you can't pay your rent. It's going to, like, curiosity will make, like, try to get you to do the most outrageous stuff, and you need to moderate that with the reality of your real life. Yeah. Fear doesn't want you to do anything, <laughs> you know? So somewhere in that letter to the two of them, I want you to lay out your plan that is respectful and gracious and grateful to both of those entities that are within you, and, and I want you to move on from there.
1: Wow, I love that. I think it, uh, it applies pretty well to me because I am a person who can give advice to friends pretty easily. And I think doing something like this keeps it at arm's length and you're seeing it as like giving advice to someone else instead of it being yourself.
0: So here's my other question very on a very pragmatic note. Do you have access to anybody who is in the podcasting world personally? Um, do you have any sort of contacts in, in that realm at all?
1: I don't actually. It's so new to me. Um I've thought about writing Anna Sale uh, an email for a while but just haven't done it yet. She's the the girl who does sex, death, and money on uh W N Y C. She's fantastic. Um yeah, I haven't even reached out to anyone, but I, I really uh, should Okay, so
0: I have an assignment for you. You have to write that letter and um my producer will okay. get that to her. <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, so we'll do a little facilitating for you on that. But of course, you know, we can't do it if you don't if you don't write the letter. (laughs) Um, So you have to write the letter. And, and, you know, podcasting is so new to me as well, that I probably can't direct you. I mean, I can always speak in vague terms of how to go after what it is that you want to do in the most sane, um, reasonable and exciting way. But but when it comes to something specific like this, I don't have a huge amount of mastery on this subject. But I happen to be really good friends with John Hodgman. I don't know if you know John Hodgman, but he's a humorist and a writer, and he's got a really cool podcast called Judge John Hodgman.
1: I don't know that one. I'll have to check
0: it out. It's very funny. It's very funny and very wonderful. He adjudicates fake internet disputes between people. And, um, well, they're real disputes. Oh, I love that. But he distributes what he calls internet justice. And um, if it's okay with you, I'm going to call him up after I talk to you, and I'm going to talk to him about you. Oh and um, and we'll put that on the podcast as well. And he can give some more specific advice. And he also knows a lot about shifting creative energies, because he's had a lot of different creative incarnations in his own life. And um, so I want to make sure that I can speak to him about that, if that's all right with you. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Okay. And the other question I have is, do you have the podcasting equipment that you would need to start a podcast?
1: I don't right now. It, and it's funny, because I the last session I had with my life coach, she was like, use your phone, use your computer, you know, whatever you have, make it happen and set a deadline for yourself and like, let it be scrappy for a while. And that's okay too. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm I'm really good at talking about how it's going to get done, but the, uh, the action it takes to, to go ahead and do it is, is the leap of faith and the scary part,
0: so. It is the leap of faith. Um, Okay, so first of all, I have to tell you that I have a friend who just started a podcast a couple months ago, and his equipment consists of his laptop and a microphone. (laughs) That's a really cute little microphone. It almost looks like a toy. It has a little ball on top of it. I don't even know what to call it. It probably costs like 30 bucks at Radio Shack. And his podcast now has 90,000 people a week listening to it. And that is... And he doesn't have a producer. That is the extent of his investment. So it doesn't necessarily have to be as hard as you think that it does, which is the case with most of the things that we want to do and most of the things that that we want to make. Um, So these are your assignments. You have to animate your fear and your curiosity, write letters from them and to them. Um, You have to write a letter to your podcasting hero, and you have to go buy a microphone for your laptop. (laughs) And the next time I talk to you, I want to make sure that you're making progress in all those regards um, because, I mean, you know, you've done this already in your life. It doesn't get done until you begin doing
1: it. Sure. I, I've listened to a podcast called Millennial. There's a girl, She's, tr- it's, a, it's an episode where she's talking about how she got started. And I think she was on like her fourth episode, but it's a conversation between her and her boyfriend and she's saying, you know, I just need someone to kind of like, help manage this and set deadlines for me. And lovingly, he was sort of like, you got to do this on your own. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is something you got to figure out yourself. And I just really appreciated that because it's really the truth. It is. Like No one's going to do it for you.
0: My whole life, I wait for people to knock on my door and do my creative work for me. And it is yet to have (laughs) happened ever. Um, But there's also the other thing is there's something so empowering and for a woman, especially there's something there's some deep sense of honor in taking agency over your own creative destiny um and and recognizing that yeah. of course you can of course you can do it you know um and and of course Order, nobody's yeah. going to do it for you and that's almost the good part is that nobody's going to do it for you because then you also get all the satisfaction of knowing what you made and and what you created and what you participated in and and if you don't feel like you're ready then you are. (laughs) Because every amazing, beautiful, magnificent, creative thing that has ever been produced on this earth by a human being was produced by somebody who wasn't ready before they began. They didn't know how to do it. And they didn't know if they could do it. And somehow in that leap, there's this kind of magnetism that happens almost in your DNA in that momentum of the leap, where as you're jumping, you're not ready. And then in the jump, like, your mastery magnitude, like, it just, it just, like, just blow, sure. blows up.
1: Definitely been there on, on shoots, too, you know, where you, you just have to think on your feet, and it's terrifying in the moment, but when you finally do it, it's so
0: satisfying. I remember my first job as a journalist. I had to go to Texas and interview rodeo cowboys about their sex lives <laughs> for for an article about buckle bunnies, about the, the groupies of the pro rodeo circuit. And I remember sitting in my park in the parking lot of this rodeo bar in the middle of Texas for two hours in the car, unable to get out of the car because I didn't know how to do it. Um, I'd never I never wow. went to journalism school. I don't know how to interview somebody. And and then there was just something in me that said, The only way this is going to happen is if you walk up to the first stranger you see in that bar and you introduce yourself and you start asking questions. And the sooner you do that, the sooner you never have to do your first podcast again. So it's time. You know it is. I do know it. Look, you're at the right age. You're in the right city. You brought yourself here. And now it's time to do the next thing. And and then when that's done, you know what you have to do then. The next thing. (laughs) <laughs> and the next thing and the next thing and there simply is no better life than that you know the constant choice of curiosity over fear alright so you have a lot of jobs I'm going to leave you to all your tasks I'm going to call John Hodgman and we're going to send you a tape of what he has to say as well so that you have sort of two fairy godparents looking over you <laughs> thank you so much you're so welcome I have so much faith in you I know you can do this and I'm, I'm going to check in with you later in the summer and you're going to report on all your homework assignments Okay.
1: All All right, sounds good. All right, sweetie, good luck. Thanks, take care.
0: Magic Lessons is produced by MaximumFun.org and Riverhead Books. Michelle Siegel is our producer. Our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. Our theme music is by Dave Cahill. Special thanks to Becky Salatin, Jeffrey Klosky, Michelle Kafopoulos, Lydia Hurt, and Paul Ruest of Argo Studios. If you want to learn more about my ideas on creative inspiration, check out my new book, Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear. It's published by Riverhead, and it comes out September 22nd, 2015. You can find out more information about my comings and goings on elizabethgilbert.com, and you can always find me personally on Facebook, because I'm there literally every single day. So let's keep the conversation going. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join me next time on Magic Lessons. I'm going to be talking to the great John Hodgman about Casey's situation and about creativity in general. I hope you'll be there. See you then.